is how it starts. Everyone thinking they can work with the guy, that they'll bring him around. It's like Hitler. Everyone thinking he doesn't mean what he says. Exactly. Trafficking. But this, with Lindbergh, he's giving permission. He's a goddamn hero. So if he says it, every anti-Semite has permission. The Lone Eagle. He flew across the ocean. He wouldn't lie. He's a great American. The newspapers and the radio guys, they all lap it up. Well, they lap it up because it's Lindbergh. Coughlin says it, or even Henry Ford, they argue back. No one will go after Lucky Lindbergh. Is he going to run for president? Against Roosevelt, he'd be a putz. He's a hero, as you said. A hero. No way. A hero now. But if the Republicans run him against Roosevelt, after all he did to get us out of this depression... He says we're out of it. Worst is over. Says you. A lot of people still aren't earning what they once did. I know plenty still out of work. People aren't patient, not with Roosevelt, not with anybody. And no one wants another war. That's for sure. Uh-huh. Roosevelt's a professional politician, a leader. He's an airplane pilot with opinions. <laughs> I told you guys on the last episode I dropped, but a lot of stuff going on family-wise. Update on that. Dad's about a day away from getting discharged through all this. Insert claps and all that. Don't know going to But, you know, regardless, another episode of the After Credits brand new show with the return of my homie Jack. I don't know if you've already, like, disband or anything um what's my man my name my man bradbury or my former man bradbury or whatever but good luck <laughs> i wanted to talk to you about that what's going on uh we're going to talk about the nfl at some point oh but... yeah you know that's coming that's, that one's coming that one's coming man i thought that was a good signing you're telling me no bueno oh man i, don't... No, I like him i like him he's just from okay. a small school when we first got him, everybody shat on us and then he went out there and actually played and like oh and I heard he was going to Washington, so I mean, I'm not mad he went to y'all because I'm like, yeah, don't go to Washington. Yeah, I, I could see him falling Rivera. I, I'm gonna cut myself off right now because I could go on and on and on about this. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have questions, but anyway, yeah. I, I I also would like to say I am sipping on my birthday drink. This is my first drink since my birthday. I, I've not revealed all the. For you guys that don't follow me on Snapchat, that's y'all's loss because your boy was wilding all weekend. God bless. Um, I literally couldn't move last week. And then my dad had to go have surgery. So y'all can imagine what the hell that did. <laughs> that's a hell of a combo. Bro, uh, oh, bro, it was rough. It was rough. But then Corona's out here just literally taking over like the Dementors and the third Harry Potter and shit. And hey, yeah. you're going to you're going to get some rest because you got to stay home. I am. I'm telling you, I I need it. I need it. But we're going to go ahead and jump into this because 
I remember when when was it I texted you about this show, man? Was this like two weeks ago, a week ago? Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. It was like relatively soon to when it was coming out, and I'm I'm kind of shocked I hadn't really seen anything about it. If I had, it just didn't it's stick insane. with me. Insane, because I'm like, even, I mean, I don't, I haven't been on HBO in a while, but I'm like, at least they stuff pop up, and I'm like, oh, that looks pretty interesting. But I saw the commercial one day, and I was like, hmm, that looks kind of good. Don't really know what's about to happen, but looks kind of good. Takes you up, you're like, oh yeah, saw that, I'm game. I said, hell yeah, you know? Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like I have been watching HBO. I just watched The Outsider. I've been watching Kirby Enthusiasm. They have not been promoting it as much as other things, but maybe they're just waiting for it to actually kick off before they start really driving eyes to it. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, the plot against America. Also, the artwork. Have you seen it? Yeah. Digging it. Yeah, no, it's really cool. Digging it, man. So when I tell you guys um, I didn't want to completely, like, just go and be like, oh, okay, well, you know, because I'm watching this, but – I'm not. I mean, like, I know a little bit about history or whatever. I'm not exactly. I have homies that are history majors and shit. Jack isn't one of them, but he knows a lot more than me. Yeah, so he's going to be saving me from like the 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 crazy waters on this episode, man. Not a history major, but uh, I I think I can help give some background context to some things and at least steer us in a direction where we're on the same page. Yeah, I'm I'm glad because uh, I ain't gonna lie a little bit. I'm like, okay, so I think I know where I'm at, but I don't want it to go too much. But we start off June 1940 in Newark, New Jersey, correct? Correct. I ain't gonna front. Like, it's gonna be a lot of stuff or whatever. And when I'm like, yo, a lot of stuff I'm hearing or whatever, it, it made me think of like, yo, black people been going through it. But, you know, I'll, I'll inject that when it Oh, happens. no, yeah, that, that's, that's gonna ride its theme all the way through. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, I'm making sure because also, like, shit, starting off here, Newark. I was like, whoa, white people are in Newark? But I'm like, it is 1940. Yeah, I think things are different. I mean, they're <laughs> just background provided. I, I did grow up near Newark, um, okay. New Jersey. So, like, I was from, like, birth to, like, 13. I was around Newark. I mean, yeah, it was predominantly black then, but it's not like white people weren't there. But I think it's interesting. It's like, uh, kind of a more urbanized area where there are sects of people kind of um especially you know in the 40s like people really lived around pe- people like them and you can kind of see that theme oh god through. i see it now they even said it later on they're like yo we live in this little town in the jewish part of it i'm like right. the jewish part. i'm like yo is that what like they be talking about in other cities when they're like oh they have a chinatown they have a like a little italy like i was like yo i just thought that was grand Theft Auto games no, yeah, for sure. Um, they're definitely don't bite your, like don't bite your tongue, or whatever. I don't know, if, like every, like which a lot of my co-hosts or whatever, well traveled. Your boy Mookie, not, <laughs> not one of them. <laughs> Openly will admit it. No, definitely. Um, and like the reason those things, you know, like Chinatown, New York, the like New York City, those things come from the fact that that's where the Chinese immigrants decided to start living together within the city and that's why those you know all these different asian markets and restaurants and stuff are centralized there because that's where right. they were historically so like that's how those places get those names is because traditionally humans kind of are tribal in that way live near like-minded people so they don't run into problems culturally with each other um 
but yeah, as the world grows, those things start to intermingle. I'll trust. Let's let's not make sure we get into too much because uh, no, God no. forbid, I will, I'll have to tell you guys about a story me and my mom was actually talking about just last night, but a <laughs> <laughs> little, little, little bit later on for that one. But uh, I, I am glad because we spoke about this in pre-production. That sounds so, so funny to say pre-production. A little <laughs> bit about the names because at first I was just writing down kids, mom, dad, and a little bit I started to get the names down. So I'm like, okay. We start off though with like a gang of kids, kids playing outside. And it's like they have a little circle drawn up or whatever, and it's like all these uh, what is it? It's a couple of different different um countries. Yeah, and they declare war on England. Was there significance to this that I missed? Yeah. Um. So and currently in the, I I don't think the kids specifically naming England is, but for the plot narrative, um, it they're 1940s in the midst of World War Two. So, um, what's happening? Right now, in show context, um, which they right. referenced throughout the episode, is that Germany has fully taken over uh, France. They invaded Paris and uh, installed Marshall. That's why later they talked about London. Okay. Yeah. So then, what the the German operation moving west? Because um, it was a two front war, so they're fighting the Russians on one side, and they're invading the rest of Europe on the other side. So from France, they then go to London, which is um, they also reference in the episode where they're watching the newsreel about how Dunkirk, they're trying to spin it as a narrative of a good thing. And that was that Christopher Nolan movie that came out recently where all those soldiers were stranded on Island in uh, Europe. That was during the German attack uh, on Britain. So, yeah, I was just like a lot just hit me right there. Kids run off. My man ran into like little girl and everything. And we see the intro of. So who is the character that played the mom? Um, Elizabeth. We just call her. You gonna have to say because I forgot it already. Uh, Bess. Bess. Because I'm like, what? I, I definitely thought I heard Beth, but I'm like, okay, Bess. Okay, cool. Yeah, I've seen this actress before. I just don't know where. Okay, so Zoe Kazan. Um, yeah. So. We'll get to the connections between the cast and the crew and everything. Um, Ed okay. Burns and David Simon, they did a different HBO show rec- recently. They've done multiple, but recently The Deuce, which was, I haven't watched it. but I, think it's like, I haven't either, but I heard it's good. Yeah, I've heard it's good. I think James Franco and uh, Zoe are uh, – no, Maggie Gyllenhaal are stars in that. So um, she worked on that with them. I know her from The Big Sick. Did you see that movie? Um, no. What's uh, that about? Is Camille Nanjiami? He's a uh, Indian comedian, and uh, it's the story of how him and his wife met. Um, and they wrote it together, but she plays his wife because I guess his wife didn't want to act in it. But um, that's what I recognize her from. I I'm okay. on her IMDb page. She's done lots of other stuff. I just haven't seen pretty much any of it. But I'm wondering. I'm trying to look through here and see if there's anything you might have seen her from. I'm about to see, you know my taste in movies, stress. <laughs> yeah, no, it's gonna be like with a lot of them. So I don't, I don't know how you would know who she was initially, but she's done a lot of stuff recently. So it seems like maybe she was just in the zeitgeist. So we see them um, getting together to have dinner for the first time. You know this family, <clears throat> and before they can sit down and eat. Like I literally wrote down in my notes, the most stereotypical Jewish men literally just show up at the door asking for the father with like the little curls on the side and like the hats. And I'm just like, oh, so this is what we doing on this show? OK. You know, they give him a little bit of a donation. 
and then they sit down and all put their yarmulkes on. Now, I had to ask Siri how to pl- spell yarmulke because, no. Why would I know how to spell it? No offense. It's, it's funny because, like, growing up in New Jersey like I did, there are a lot more people with Jewish descent in that area of the country. Uh, where you're from, not so much. So I'm not surprised yeah. you're not really familiar with okay, yeah, I'm about Jewish to say, culture. I, you, 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 you've been to the borough. You already know. Yeah. I've, yeah, not, it's not really not for long, like, but I, yeah, I wasn't there for long, but I got the gist. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you got it. I mean, literally canon. That's all I got to say. Oh, that's a story for another time. Oh, yeah. God, no. <laughs> it was at uh, this point. Oh, go ahead. Well, the 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 dudes in the traditional Jewish outfits, those are Orthodox Jews. So they they dress in that certain fashion um, just as part of their culture. Um, do you want to go quickly into what he was collecting donations for? Because that does come up in the episode. Yes. I don't know if I grab yes, that. So. that. Because I kind of was a little bit confused. Yeah, because later, Philip, who's the youngest son, who it, the in the book narrative, everything, we'll, we should get to that at some point. Um, he's like the point of view character for the whole story. So he's asking okay. his dad if they have another nation because he was donating to – um, a Jewish nation to uh, help, basically help Jewish people flee from Germany to Palestine. So that's what they're connecting donations for. So the Jewish community is pitching in to give to a uh, donate to help those afflicted by World War II escape the country to Palestine. That was the whole gist with that. This is why I brought the professional loan. Y'all hear this shit? <laughs> oh my god! Because I'm telling you, I was just like, you know, I was like, I was like, well, I'm gonna write all this down, and I feel like Jack's gonna come in with just, you know, he's, I'm gonna throw the alley up, you just gonna oof it. That's what I'm talking about, bro. Hey, let me just get this out there too. I did watch, listen to that podcast that they're promoting along with this, so I got a I'm little. Gonna, bit of I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do that before too. the next episode. So next it's episode, good. promise you. Um, it's um, David Simon is the one they're interviewing for it, which he's one of the co-creators of the series with Ed Burns, and it's um. Oh my God, I'm blanking it. P- Peter Sagal, he hosts Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on NPR. That's why I know him. But they're both of Jewish descent, and they kind of have a conversation around the narrative. So yeah, it's good. I did watch a little <laughs> interview uh, with Damon yeah, with David Simon before we started this, where he actually he said he said he said he's taking a lot of material from his dad actually, as far as some of the jokes. Yeah, uh, which makes sense. I mean, you, he kind of I think. He wasn't a child in this time period, but not yeah. probably too far removed. I mean, probably post World War II, but in American Jewish culture, I imagine things haven't been that much different around that time. Oh, fact. Um, I don't want to derail this conversation too much quickly, but I was Go listening ahead. to the interview with the, uh, the food dude. You both haven't seen The Wire because that's what David Simon's most famous for is creating The Wire. <laughs> so I said eventually, like, okay, summer. Well, shit. So I said summertime's coming up, and normally after basketball goes off, I just have a lot of free time. Like besides wrestling, that's yeah. when I'm gonna be like, okay, a show I really need to watch. That I, I, I highly recommend it. It. The only thing it gets flack for is because it was early 2000s. It's not like HD. So a lot of people, for some reason, have trouble getting the shows that aren't in high def for whatever reason. I, I, when I, when I started watching The Wire, it was way after it was over, and it starts off a little slow, but it's really interesting. It really, you can really hook into it after a couple episodes. So anyway, highly recommend. I'm gonna do that. Like my my buddy has been trying to get me on that for years. He's like, I have the DVD set. Like it is the best thing I've ever watched. Like I'll rewatch it sometimes. Just when I'm, you know, that's that's his version of how everyone. Oh, you know, I'm gonna rewatch whatever show for the whatever time. And I'm like, okay. 
I actually did that at some point. Um, I was visiting my sister. We were wa- we were watching some crappy show we, that we thought was going to be yeah. good, and we cut it off before it was, we finished it. We were like, I just want to watch something good. We started watching the fir- like just the first episode of The Wire. I watched. I went home and watched the rest of the first season. I was just like, oh my god, I forgot what good TV is. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Um, oh no, you're good. You're good. It, it was at this point too where I wrote because I know his name now, Sandy. Like, I thought I could draw as a kid. Jesus Christ, this kid's talented. Yeah, for real. I mean, that was one of the things I was thinking about, too, was, like, when there weren't so many other hobbies and stuff, I feel like you could really throw yourself into something like art or um, music. Know, or, yeah. yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, like, people, yeah. people did instruments then. A lot more so. And, you know, and it makes sense. It's just, like, that. those are, like, the kind of hobbies of the time. I, I thought that was interesting that that was kind of drawn into the narrative as his hobby. I'm sure it will continue to come back with some of his later drawings. We'll get to that later in the episode. I'm sure. Oh, fact, yeah. because literally like, you know, it's just like we got now people like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna be a YouTuber. And I'm what, as I'm watching Pokemon videos in the background, good Lord. But he's drawing who I found out later was his cousin in front yeah. of a car and all that, where, you know, he had a picture and his dad saw it. He's like, Oh, you know, real gangster, aren't you? Or something. I can't, well, I was a gangster mobster. I think mobster. Was I think word. mobster. Yeah. And his cousin got offended and just like walked off. And I'm like, so I don't know why he's mad, but I'm pretty sure we're going to get back on that one. Uh, we Which, of course, we did. That. Yeah. That, I, I thought that was an interesting introduction to his character. It's like having not only himself framed in the light he would kind of like to be seen as, like kind of intimidating, kind of this gangster profile, like being streetwise and stuff, but also giving that impression to his nephew. Like that's who he wants him to think he is. That, that was cool. I, I definitely can get that old ever. I was the youngest in my film. Yeah. Um, the father has a possible new job, or you know, over in New York. They were in New York, right? So it's a promotion for his job. So he's a MetLife, or I guess that it was Metropolitan Life uh, insurance salesman. So I don't know where he's doing his insurance sales if in the relative near community or what. But they reference that he's had the highest sales for a long time. And he's up for this promotion to help manage the branch in union specifically. So I wrote this part down because I'm like, you know what? I'm going to, I pretty much think I know what's happened, but I want to ask Jack for a clarification. So I wrote, I think it was before they went to the house or after they left the house that they could possibly, you know, they could possibly get. And they drove by this place. And I'm pretty sure that it was like, it was all German people. I think that's what's implied. Yeah. So they're visiting, <clears throat> A potential open house in Union where they would move if he was to get the promotion. So right. they're in a kind of a different neighborhood and they pass by that, which I looked up on a map because uh, I thought it was kind of weird that they were just driving like I can tell how far away is Union is pretty close to Newark. So they're just driving out visiting and they pass. I assume it's definitely a German pub. I assume they're Americans of German descent that are there attending, just doing their thing, hanging out, day drinking. But yeah, so in the in the whole um, narrative of the story, obviously, um, there's a little. Uh, I wrote down the exact quote or whatever because I said I wrote down the notes. They drove by this place, shit got real uncomfortable, and I wrote in like parentheses, the fast is fastest, fascist, oh, fascist bastards, and I was like, okay, so I'm just gonna take them. That is, they're probably Germans. Yeah, so it's I guess implied um, that might be the hangout for the local um, 
people of fascist ideology, I, I guess is the easiest way to say it, if that is easy to understand. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, it, it helps a lot better. Trust. Yeah. <coughs> After that, uh, Philip asked Sandy, like, why their dad was so pissed earlier. He's like, you know, don't worry about that. He's, he's he's trying to tell him that it's because we're Jewish, but I think he's even too young to really understand the whole now, implication now, between them. This is one of the this is one of the moments where I'm gonna just be like, okay, now I'm like, now I'm not I'm, I don't want people to like listening to compare this or whatever because I'm not even comparing it. But this is one of the moments where I'm like, yo, the Jewish people and the black people, man, because I this will be a part of a part of life where it's like, yo, they don't like you because you look like this, and I'm like, what do you mean we don't because we look like this, like. No, I think that's what's going to be the interesting part of us talking about these things is that that's definitely a thing historically. And I think black people and Jewish people have bonded over that in America over the course of however many decades and stuff since these oppressions have been as bad as they were. I mean, they're still not great, but right. um, yeah, I, it is interesting. I My impression, I mean, growing up in New Jersey around a lot of Jewish people is – I don't think anyone really views Jewish people so much as the other as much as they do just white people at this point. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it was definitely a bigger thing, I think, back – well, obviously because of World War II, Jesus Christ, the whole thing revolves around Jewish oppression. But right. um, yeah, I, I feel like some of that has kind of escaped in the whole – are kind of the society we're in now. I don't think anyone really holds a lot of animosity, except for conspiracy conspiracy theorists who think Jews run the world still and weird Illuminati shit like that. But oh god, yeah. <laughs> I literally just found out a couple of weeks ago people don't think that Australia is real, and I'm like, oh my god, what the fuck? You believe in an ice wall, but you don't believe in Australia? Get the fuck I out of here! I swear to God, bro. I, like <laughs> I I, heard, I was listening to a pod and somebody was talking about it and everything, and I'm just like, that is a thing. And, you know, we have a mutual friend who's there. And I'm like, huh. I was going to hit him like, yo, so is it real? And I'm like, you're not going to get the trolls. So I'm like, nah, let me not do that. It would have been. Mm. Yeah, I've been there. I took some long ass flights to get there. Uh, they could have taken me anywhere, but I went, rode a real long time on a plane. And they they talked with funny accents. Pretty sure it's real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> We get to best and. Uh, it was Herman, right? Yeah, Her- oh Herman. I thought Herman was hilarious because I'm like, wait a minute. I was like, they are white Hermans out here. I have Uncle yeah. Herman. That's why it threw me off for a second. But <laughs> I do think that is traditionally a more Jewish name, so it's kind of really? funny. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, mean, I have Uncle Herman. I no one quote me on that. I have no idea. But the the name Herman Levin, and especially because the last name Levin is, is very Jewish, but the whole name sounds very Jewish to me. They were talking about, like, you know, Fast being, like, the only Jewish family around and how, like, you know, they would, like, literally just point at them and stuff. I'm like, also, you know, by the time, like, my brothers were a lot older and everything, so they can remember, like, oh, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, we were there. And I remember going back to grandma's and stuff on the weekend, but, like, where eventually where I was coming up and everything, I'm like, well, yeah, we're the only black family around, but at the same time, too, it was... Okay, I mean, I, I go to school with white people. There's white people everywhere. We're like the only black people on this block, but I'm like, I never really thought about it like that. Yeah, and yeah, she's bringing up her whole trepidation that she doesn't want for her kids to grow up the way that she felt isolated within her community, being just different for whatever reason. And yeah, I, I think any um, 
person of a different nationality that moves into a predominantly, whether it's white or black or whatever neighborhood, definitely can sense that feeling of isolation and, you know, just being the other or different. And just like she says, it it wasn't outwardly um, aggressive towards or anything, but it was like it always underwriting under the surface is like, you know, that you're different. And that right. can be kind of emotionally traumatic. And I'm going to get to it in a little bit or whatever about like, oh, so she makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Oh, just wait for it. Because when they got when we got introduced to a couple of characters with her, I'm like, mm, yep, it makes sense now. Uh, we get to the school scene now. They're doing the Pledge of Allegiance. I, I felt like a line was skipped. I can't really remember. I can't remember since last time. It was like, okay, yeah, went through the entire song. And... This is where – at first I was like, wait, that's – oh, that's Philip. Okay. He gets a drawing of like a naked woman. Yeah, so uh, I had to look up his name too. That's Earl. So it's his friend. Yeah, because we see him later. School. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, <laughs> I guess that's how you pass pornography as a kid. <laughs> it's just drawings, which I thought was really funny. It's it, like, this is where I thought of you, and I was like, yo, so I'm going to ask Jack, was this something that y'all were doing back in the day? <laughs> I'm not that much older than you, but I know uh, that. I'm just saying, though, like, no, like, I, I don't know. I could just imagine it, man. I'm pretty sure the first, like, nudity thing I ever saw was, like, someone ripped it out of a magazine. So, like, like um, they would sell, like, Playboys and stuff at the, like, corner stores and things. So I think some kid went in there and, like, I guess, because a lot of those magazines usually come sealed. So I guess maybe there were some that are unsealed and he just like ripped the corner out. And it's like, yeah, it, it was very much like that. Though. It wasn't at school. It was like in someone's backyard. It's like pulling this crumpled thing in his pocket. Like, look at this. <laughs> so, yeah, hey, bro, hey, bro, just think about it like this. Like, look, you ain't that much older than me, but we still remember a day of like, I don't know about you. I didn't have my first, like my actual first cell phone to like, I'm, I, I say 10th grade. Like I had one in ninth grade, but that was still my grandma's. So yeah. 10th grade. So I'm like 15. But it wasn't like phones now where it's like, yo, I can go right on the hub. Oh, for real. Yeah. These, my first... these new kids don't know about that, bro. They're like, oh, the hub's right here. My first phone, I was jealous because it didn't have Snake. It was just a crappy flip bro, phone. Bro, <laughs> that's why I had grandma's phone because it had Snake. Dude, I love Snake. I still love There's Snake. There's Nokia. There's Nokia bricks. Yeah, man. Oh, my God. So I thought that was a little bit funny. Um, I thought it was just very true to life. That's that's very much like <laughs> there's always some friend that like knew about shit before you did and would like weirdly try to educate you. But it's like a oh, weird I thing. I had that older brothers and older cousins. Trust. Yeah. <laughs> they got into dad's stash or whatever. And it was like, so this is what this is. And I was like, I shouldn't be knowing about this shit. For real. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yup. I'm going to ask you if you remember this guy's name because I don't think I caught it or whatever. Um, Herman, he's at like the – I'm assuming the theater? Yeah, yeah. I, I can talk a little bit about that, but go ahead. Yeah, do you um do you remember the character's name or like do you know the actor? I'm tr- All right, let me try to look it up now because I recognize okay. that guy from, from – that's what I recognize him from. I, see I was picture. like, God, he looks familiar, but I cannot think of him, man. All right, so the actor's name is uh, Michael – Kostroff, um, and he is playing Shepsi, uh, Tritual, but uh, Shepsi is the guy that's running the cinema slash newsreel. So, like, th- when they sh- they show it, they show the outside of the place. I can't remember if it was the one that was in Newark or the one that was in New York City, but it says newsreel outside of it. Um, so, back in the day, 
uh, when movie cinemas were becoming a thing, you know, like they don't show any TVs or anything because there weren't any TVs in the house. You'd be able to get your news through the radio, but um, motion pictures were a thing. So instead of having like matinee showings and things like that, um, they would have newsreels. So people would go to movie theaters and that's where you could actually watch footage from what was happening in Europe during World War II and things like that. So it was kind of the a doubling use of the space, not only for entertainment. And I, I, th- I think still too, like instead of previews for new movies, it would be like the news of the day would be right. the previews going to the movies and things like that. So yeah, he's running, he's the one getting footage from news reel, news reels and showing it to people. So that like when Al- I think first is Alvin's the one who's in there with him. Um, and he's kind of like just watching it. And the guy, he's clearly befriended the guy. They're talking back in the projection room. And then when they're in the theater, he comes and talking to him. Clearly he's seen it before. He's kind of explaining to him like what's actually going on with what they're presenting and all that, which go ahead and explain that because I, I just wrote down, you know, like they showed a little clip of Hitler and they kind of talked about like the president, I want to say. So the, I think that's where where they were showing footage of Dunkirk. So they were saying okay. they were, they were saying it was like this great British victory that they they held off the German army and the guys like they're framing it as if it was a victory. It was like a retreat that uh, you know citizens had to come and rescue the soldiers with their own boats so they could get off the island because uh, they were trapped there by the German army. Hmm. So it, it I, it's an interesting little like tidbit into you know whoever's telling the story can kind of spin the narrative kind of thing which i think is going to be important for the narrative of the story as a whole and you know future implications of things which a lot of this is why i think this show is really interesting and when it's coming out in time is like parallel narratives between what's going on now mirroring what didn't exactly happen then because it's an alternate history but kind of the formations of how these political lines get drawn and you know who's telling the story they how they frame things and um the, the og fake news i guess so and like you know we'll get into a little bit when they start listening to Lindbergh speak but like the way you present facts and the people that you target and how you use your words to construct a narrative can really start drawing dividing lines between people and it's it can be subtle but it can be poignant Oh, trust me, when we get there or whatever, I'm not going to go super just wilding out, but I got a couple of things, my God. Um, yeah. I wouldn't say Sandy was necessarily looking for Cousin Alvin, but they go to his job, you know, was it the gas station? No, he was looking for him because he okay. was trying to go, he was trying to give him the sketch. So he had paid him the two okay. bucks for the sketch for himself, and I don't know why he didn't take it with him then, but he was like, All I right. just want to go give it to him. Like, let's go run by where he works real quick. And the owner was not happening or whatever. You tell that cousin of yours, if I ever catch him again, he's a thief. He was not having it. Which was an interesting way into the storyline because that does get resolved in this episode. But it was just like, we've never been to this place before. never seen this guy before. He's just telling these kids off. And it's just like, like, damn, that's what y'all doing? I thought he was supposed to be here. Like, I don't know. Right. I guess guess that kind of plays into how Alvin isn't 100% truthful with everyone and his family about what he's doing, what his goings are on, are on a regular basis. So yeah, like at this point, they don't know where Alvin is and the boys are talking later and 
you know, like Sandy's telling Philip to keep quiet. And there was there was a whole thing about like, you know, like your sketches and his um is there any significance to his what was it like stamps? So he's collecting stamps, which it sounds like just one of those hobbies that no one ever did, but it was a real thing that people would collect stamps and they would become valuable um, when they would go out of print. Like, you know, it's, it's like trading cards in the sense of how many of them were printed. Actually, it's probably a more real version of trading cards because trading cards, you can kind of design, you know, what's going to be rare versus what there's going to be a lot of and manufacture them in that way. So that some are just harder to come by than others, but stamps, um, you know, different countries just issue different commemoratory stamps and things like that at different periods. And if they only had so many of them printed, so only so many were used years and years later, you know, if you still have one, they are actually worth valuable amounts of money to people who collect these things and keep a you know, m- memoriam of all the different things that were uh, made for postage. So yeah, um, that Philip is a stamp collector. He that's what he has that book for under his bed. We we go from there to um, the sisters Best Aunt Bess and Evelyn, who that name I could get. I was like, okay, Auntie Ev. <laughs> Another writer killing it. I I, I more and more like things she. I call her. Recently. She was one of the few people I called. I was like, okay, I know who this is. Her that was the first name I think popped up. Her facial expressions, the way she uses her face to act, is always just so impressive. First episode, over, I was like, "Yeah, she's 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 clearly talented." Well, already knew she's talented, but we, you know, so. yeah. They're talking about, you know, well, you know, you're not with a like a nice Jewish man, and I'm like, so this is in every demographic of family. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, big time. Like, like that's the thing. Okay, I got that. Every mom wants you to be nice. You know, you're Indian. Oh, would you like a nice Indian man? He's a doctor. You know, it's really like they want what's best for their kid. But in the narrative of something like this, it's like we like it's safe to stay within the community. You know what I mean? That's kind of what they're getting at with the whole moving thing. And their whole narrative is like you're going to be better off staying with us like as a pack. And that's that that's kind of the. The implication, I think. Which I wrote him down a little bit or whatever, because my gracious, he came in with some bars, just or not bars, but just some some wild shit, man. Yeah. Um, after this, now I hope you guys remember this one or whatever, because I'm like, this one went a little bit over my head. Excuse me, so Herman's listening to the radio, and yeah, he's not having it. He's so is that? Is he listening to the news, or is that when he was listening to actual Lindbergh speaking? Um, I think it was the first one. Yes, I think it was just the news. Yeah, just the news. The Lindbergh one was later. So the news thing, too, I, I think it, those are recordings of a famous um, news personality. Um, I don't remember his name or anything, but I think uh, he was very um, pro-Jewish values, and a lot of people in those communities really riled or um, relied on him for – his reporting of the narratives of things and that kind of deal. That wasn't that insightful, I guess, but anyway, this next one, it kind of, it kind of took me, I ain't gonna say like, it kind of took me to a place. Cause I'm like, okay, so 
the kids weren't quite asleep, but like they're just all these, you know, the people in the community, you know, they're just outside, just all talking. And I'm like, oh, so this just a thing y'all do or whatever? Yeah, it's talking like about like the president and like the politics and this and like what all all this stuff or whatever. And I'm just like, okay, I feel like I should write about this, but I don't know what's going on right now. It's just like a community thing. Like everyone, like everyone, listen to the news broadcasts, and it affects them and you know their people's perceptions of who they are and you know everyone's just having a beer and kind of neighborhood hangout i i feel like that kind of stuff doesn't happen as much anymore but it, well, oh no like, they get on facebook and argue about it yeah i guess that's true God, that, that's so much worse come on now you know we on the same page with that shit but that's like that's what was nice about like having a neighborhood and knowing everyone that you live around and you know when things happen you have people you can go talk to about it and kind of vent or make sense of it but yeah, that night in particular is a bit contentious, to say the least. So this is where I wrote down Aunt Evelyn because you know that's my elder or whatever. I'm respectful and everything. She goes <laughs> and meets up with her dude and Anthony. No, it's Angelo. Oh, it is Angelo. Angelo, right. yes. I, I wrote his name down on it because Angelo came. I'm telling Angelo. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, was this supposed to be like an Italian thing? Was that like the significance of the name or like what was going on? It is. He's Italian-American. But clearly, no, he's not Jewish already. Yeah. So this is where I was like, oh, okay, she almost stole – like she almost stole the performance or whatever of like this episode of me almost because that person's coming up later. They mama – between the sisters and i realized oh shit this is why Bess is like she is or whatever because i said the grandma ain't playing no games or whatever she's super jewish she's <laughs> like yo what what type of man doesn't present himself to a jewish mother i don't know if you listen to the rewatchables that was, that was a real Dion waiters heat check performance bruh <laughs> <laughs> i'm telling she came in with the bars i was like oh okay grandma <laughs> I yeah. meant to write her name down, but I forgot. My gracious. I, I don't have that either, but yeah. Mm. But she she's definitely losing it a little bit. You you get that sense. She's talking to Bess, and then she's kind of looking out the window. She looks back over, and she's like, where's Evelyn? It's like, oh, Bess, what are you doing here? It's like, oh, shit. She's losing it. She's like, well, she's busy whenever. So I came over here. She's like, mm. She's with that guy again. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Yo, they ain't stupid. They know what we doing, man. Dude, that's the thing. Is like you think you're tricking them. They've been around the block a couple more times than we have. I think they've seen it. I don't know how many I, times I've said it on this pod. Overall, my mom's told me the realest shit. I can't remember what age she was like. I didn't just like have you. Like I didn't just like come out, have you, and be this age or whatever. Like I was a child too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I know what it is. It's the uh, thing one of the things about getting older, man, is like you recognize it more and more, and like you see other people making the same mistakes you did, and it's like, huh, good luck with that. Yeah, yeah. You, you try and tell them, well, it's like, you know what, it's not gonna work. You just got to go through it, man. Yeah, for real. Experience is a better educator than most other things. Facts. Uh, after this, you know, we have a little scene, and we discover that Angelo's not gonna leave his family. He's like, you know, I bring you, I bring you around to have a good time. I can't leave my family. My, my mama will kill her. Which it makes me wonder how much of that narrative that Evelyn had played up to best earlier about how they were going to have a life together, how much of that she really built in her head versus what he told her. Because he seems I didn't to even think about that. About that it. makes sense. Yeah, because you know, I mean, you do that is when you're in relationships with people, is like you kind of idealize what the future is going to be, and where it's like 
um, I don't know, rose colored lenses and all that kind of, of all your interactions together. Uh, he seems pretty like, yo, like I told you, like I got kids, I can't leave my family. Like I'm, this is supposed to be fun, which is fucked up, but Hey, you know, I guess the, the fact that like he's getting dressed the entire time. She's trying to get him to stop. And then eventually you can stay here. Room's paid for. That was a real boss move. <laughs> I was like, like, whoa, <laughs> like he gives no fucks about it, man. Yeah, it's like, hey, maybe if I keep her happy, she'll keep coming around. I don't know. This is where Evelyn was like, did she say, like I can't remember the exact line, but it was something to the degree of like, you come in here, you get the you, you get the fruit or something, and you <laughs> you just leave. And he's like, uh, well, pretty much. Yeah, he's like, hey, yeah, that's our thing. <laughs> mm. Um, Herman they, they, goes. They had to make so, that an Italian guy because you know black men don't cheat. But bro, it, I'm, I, <laughs> hey, real, real shit, real shit. It's episode one of this, bro. We got five left. Black people counter. I think I'll be the only one on this shit. Oh and no, I'm mean, audio. Yeah, I think you'll be. I think it's safe to say I'll be the only black person in this. Put put words to the thoughts, yeah. <laughs> Um, Herman goes to the gas station to go handle, you know, the whole situation with Alvin, which, you know, he paid the dude off. It was like 50 some dollars, 53. And he was like, I got 10 right now, which I mean, I'm sure he was broken the bank to pay him back fully. But yeah, like he's on good terms with the guy. Clearly he was that becomes revealed. That's the reason Alvin had the job was because he got it for him there. Right. He wasn't a dick to him or whatever. That's why I was like, damn, you just had to do the kids like that, though. Yeah, but I mean, to be fair, I like I I think you get the idea that that guy is kind of troubled by the whole thing because he's like the the kid is clearly smart. He knows what the hell he's doing. He's fixing things that I can't fix, and he comes around and then steals behind my back. Like the the two things don't mesh. Right. And yeah. then they had a they had a little bit of talks as far as like yo you heard about this and just. You can kind of tell everyone in the community at least is on the same page. That was one of the more fucked up scenes in the episode to me because, where he's talking about his brother and he's like, did he get out? He's like, I haven't, I haven't heard from him in two years. It's like, oh, fuck. Yeah, that was like, oh. Because you know that implies, but it's just like, oh, like, and that's like scary too to think about. It's like you have no way of knowing whether uh, your relatives in that country is abducted or not because it's just impossible to communicate. Yeah, it's that, – that was – rough um herman tells you know best that he didn't take the promotion and they're just gonna stay there which i'm pretty sure she's she's loving this i mean of course she would like the bigger house not exactly the location which understandable so do you think do you think he did it for her or do you think he did it because he didn't want he he didn't like he explains the whole thing about he would just be chasing around the drunks and trying to get them to do their job. I, I think it's that because I mean I feel like he would do it for her, but at the same time or whatever, like you could tell you can clearly tell she wasn't kind of here for it. Maybe I think the so. money, but not everything like in you know with it. I think he's placating her mostly, but I think that'll come to play itself out. Um. Oh, <laughs> we get to um. Sandy drawing Sea Biscuit, you know, just a random a horse. And did we get Alvin's friend name? Shushi. 
Which, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I remember when they said it, I was like, that's going to be tough to say. And, and then when I looked it up, I was like, yeah, Shushi. Uh, Shushi, I think is how you, like, the easiest way to say it. Shushi. Shushi. Okay, yeah, I got you. So they walk up and, you know, there's this whole thing and Alvin, like, I think. So Alvin and Sandy are talking. And yeah. he tells him about, like, yo, you know, I know about the whole joint with the gas station. Like, you think I'm a thief? He's like, no. And he kind of tells him, like, I mean, you probably can explain this better than me, but I just wrote down. He's like, you know, one day you'll understand it. So what's implied by realizing Sandy's too young to, like, under, like, get what's happening right now, at least. So they had the scene earlier where they were walking around talking about robbing the number game up right. uptown or whatever uh, between Alvin and Shushi. So Alvin's asking him, do you still have any of that man's money? And he's like, I ran through that. It wasn't that much money. And then what he's telling to Sandy is like, you're not going to understand this right now, but sometimes you have to cover for friends. So like I basically what he's saying is I took the fall for Shushi robbing him so he doesn't get in trouble uh, and I'm kind of protecting him. And like some like you just got to stand up for your friend sometimes, which he's not a good guy, but that's his friend. That's his running mate. So that's how he, he's kind of playing his life. This is, why, this is why I'm glad we didn't talk about this like whatever, because I was confused. But this makes so much more sense now. Thank you. Also, shout out to City of Greenville or whatever for interrupting. As always, I heard all those <laughs> damn loud cars. All good. <laughs> Jesus Christ. They always got to make an appearance. Every episode, man, I'm telling you, it never fails. <laughs> um this is where philip goes and meets up with earl now was this the same one that his um mom said he should go play with um earlier or no am I wrong? no so that other kid i wrote down his name because i saw him in the trailer for the rest of the episode so i feel like he's going to be a bigger player uh sheldon is the weird kid who's playing chess by himself who has the sick dad that's oh, okay who his mom was telling him to go play with um just you know because he's going through a rough spot with his family but earl is his friend from class so they meet up at his house and clearly what's established is that their friendship kind of stems from their stamps thing he collects stamps too he's showing off his rare yeah. stamps talking about he saw this one stamp that was worth like ten thousand dollars or something um you gotta talk about louise man <sighs> the honey does he still <laughs> like so? There's all these pictures of Louise around the house and everything, and he's like, "Wait, you you afraid of your mom by her name?" Yeah, that's Louise. It's, it's it's hip, right? Yeah, she's so she's a jazz singer in the city, is what I think is implied. I, I think her his father's also a musician, so like mm-hmm. she's trying to stay hip with the kids and young. But I never get that calling your parents by their name thing. That that's was so weird. so weird to me, especially when your mom's like hot and like you're showing yeah, off her come lingerie. Come on, go ahead and say it. What? Yo. Yo, yo, I was ready to get here. I was ready to get here. I yeah. was like, was this some white people shit? A little. Oh, well, I guess you have to answer that to me in a way. But I mean, kind of. I, 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 I like have I, have me and a homie ever did it? No. I I wouldn't say like you show off your like winning my mom's mom, my mom lingerie. I didn't grow I didn't grow up with sisters, so no. I don't want to like. Say it's you, a thing you guys, you guys, if you guys are listening to this, you guys have watched the show, so we're not sounding creepy. Because I'm like, I, I like, re, like thinking about this in retrospect. I'm like, oh, this is a little like, but no, you guys saw, saw the episode. Like That's nothing, awesome. nothing comes to me in recollection of like some time that stood out to me. I'm sure someone's got those stories. Because I mean, as a kid, you don't. It's you're kind of disassociating the two things. Probably it's like I'm learning about risque things. Obviously, the kids 
learning about you know women and sexuality and stuff because he's passing the notes of the drawing so it's kind of like oh like i bet you never seen these before kind of thing which might be more of a thing of the time bottom that was hilarious yeah but yeah, clearly Philip's like, uh, I'm not into this like you're into it. And he's probably also like, this is your mom. Like, And that's the thing, too, is like you start calling your mom by her first name instead of her name. There's a, there's a very weird disassociation thing going on with that that's weird. But like, I think Earl's just like, like trying to be cool, being like, hey, like check this out. Also, compared to Philip, Earl's huge. He's a big kid. I, mean, I was like, I was like, he's like Andy Reid or whatever in that um punt kick pass challenge or whatever. <laughs> so they're coming out of fourth grade, going into fifth. I don't remember any kids being like wildly different in terms of size Jeez. like that. And obviously it's a show. I mean, the kids probably aren't the age of what they're actually playing anyway. Oh, but, bags, yeah. But yeah, it, it was. I I feel like it was like sixth, seventh grade that like all of a sudden dudes were way bigger than other people. I was always a small kid until like midway through high school. So same, same here or whatever. Like I remember at one point when the girls were taller than me, I shot oh, back sure. and phone them. Yeah. That was legendary, you know, um, <laughs> Evelyn and Bess or Evelyn's telling Bess about what happened with Angelo and I'm going to be alone forever. You know, what it was going to be some, some like plumber that we're going to, um, that's knowing mom's like <laughs> a toilet or whatever. I'm like, damn, I'm going to die an old maid, <laughs> which I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yo, she, she, well, I'm, I'm probably not going to say Winona, Winona Ryder's like the, you know, just youngest thing out here or whatever, but like, was just implying, yo, like, which, I mean, she's, she's clearly not married and, oh, but he won't go leave his wife. Well, it's of the time too. Like people started families younger. So like that age that you get to, that's kind of like that in between whether someone wants to commit to you for the future or not was skewed a lot lower. So like See, best I feel the, like it still happens now with our family. Well, with some families or whatever, because Lord, if I get hit one more time, well, it hasn't happened in a while, but I used to get hit all the time by us. So, you know, having kids anytime soon. Yeah. And I understand that too. Like there are def, I would say like more traditionally religious families still kind of skew that way. But like best is the younger sister and she has two sons already. So, I mean, if Winona's or sorry, Evelyn is older than her. Right it's going to be hard for someone to want to jump in and kickstart that whole thing. Just and we all see how you, you've already is. have so much lost time. Yeah. Yeah. You can, there's already lost time with the amount of time you're going to spend together in life as it is. So it, I think it was more difficult for women of that age then than it is now. Plus you don't got people wild about cougars like you got now. Right. Also, too, so I didn't, like, because we already talked about, you know, Philip and um, Earl going in his mom's closet. I was like, yo, were they really doing this while listening to Luis in the background? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't think about that they were still listening to the record either. That's super weird. I wrote that because I was like, I was like, wait, is Luis, like, playing in the background? He's like, I'll have some more music. And he's just like, oh, put this on. I wonder if something weird is going to happen with that Earl character going forwards because, yeah, that's a lot of weird mother mother son relationship stuff going on pretty pretty just you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so you remember when i said you know it was almost the the you know their mom or whatever who like stole the show from me or whatever with the deal yeah. with his hot, hot check 
<laughs> or heat check. Yeah. Nah, man. It was when Evelyn went to this teacher's union. Now, the dude and lady, when they first walked by, was that Angela or am I bugging? I thought that was Angela, too. I was going to Okay, I was that. making sure it wasn't just me. I was like, was that Angela and his wife? What? Which I guess kind of makes sense because how they have crossed paths anyway. Like, I don't think – like, Evelyn had to make all these plans to go into the city. So it's not like she's, like, clearly out and about going to clubs and stuff or right. whatever. So, yeah, they they must have passed through her being in the teacher's union. And maybe he's just a parent of a, a student or something. I, must be something like that. But I, I thought it was Angelo, too. Because th- they do, like, side-eye each other for half a second. Right. I was like, that was way too much of, like, just a scene that they made sure we saw or whatever to be nothing. Yeah, that's what I think. We go from there to the person who I'm like, low-key stole this episode, at least for me. I don't know if it's going to be a second for every episode. We shall see. The rabbi. I, I just had his name, but I forgot it, man. So Lionel, and uh, his last name is very difficult uh, yes. Beng- Bengelsdorf. Yes. Oh my God. But it's John Turturro. That's why he stole the scene, dude. Oh, that dude is great actor. I cannot wait for later on or whatever with him, because like you know we got the little trailer at the end of the episode for like you know upcoming, and I'm like this motherfucker like he about to be on his shit, boy. Yeah, he's gonna get real involved. Um, you never saw the movie Rounders, did you? I don't- no, sir. So it's a good movie. It's uh, Matt Damon, Ed Norton, John Turturro's in it. It's it's like it's probably the best poker movie that's ever been made. But okay. um, he plays a, like a Jewish New York guy. It reminds me a lot of that same character. I mean, more lot very much more traditional. But he's he's good in those kind of roles. Like I I think on that podcast, Peter Sagal referred to him as like an honorary Jew. <laughs> <laughs> Cause he, he's, he's very, he's very Italian in real life, but, um, yeah, uh, I, I think David Simon said, uh, it's a crime that he hasn't played a rabbi in anything yet. <laughs> so I think, he, I think he was stoked to be able to get him for the show. So, you know, of course, you know, my rabbi's putting his moves on or whatever for such a beautiful lady. I was just waiting for like, like, I don't know, like I was just waiting for like a hand kiss. Or so, yeah, I I actually kind of expected that too. But he was very, very um, influential with his words. You can tell he's very personable, and I feel like that side of him is going to become important in how the narrative progresses between them. And then I guess his relationship going forwards with everyone. Right. We go from there to um, the radio's on, families like you know just chilling, fireplace and all that. Alvin comes in and yeah, Herman scolds him because he's not here for the shits. Yeah, I mean, fair enough, but it did seem pretty aggressive. I mean, it had already seemed aggressive the relationship. Like the first thing we see is him looking at the picture and like getting a jab at him about being like a street hoodlum. So like yeah. that was already a little odd. But you can tell this has been boiling for a while, and like this is a very appropriate thing to now kind of get crazy upset about because all this stuff has been developing in the background this whole time and now like now like i so he's herman's nephew and he's an orphan so his parents passed away we'll find out about that at some point i'm sure but he put him up in his house to try and take care of him got him that job at the gas station and then he fucked it all up so like i can understand being mad but he comes at him pretty hot he did and like i just thought like when this moment you know because best is like the kids are here and I mean, I've always called myself sheltered, but like 
it was never a thing of like, yo, okay, you know, Mookie's right here or whatever. We shouldn't just be getting into whatever. It was just like, yo, they're, they're hot. They're just going to be hot right now. Yeah, like, I'm pretty sure, well, like, nothing similar to that really happened to me in my experience as a child either. I never had a, you know, relative living with us for whatever reason and right. a bad, bad relationship happening there. But, you know, when I was in trouble, you know, my dad would get me alone and scold me. You know what I mean? Like, there, there is kind of a, a way to do things in that way. And he clearly was not happy. He was not, he did not have the time to get that off in a way where it was going to be like family safe, especially in that small apartment. Anyway, like the upstairs where they're sleeping, there's no door or anything. Like they would have heard what's going on right. when they're, when they're out in the street talking to everyone, they could hear what was going on. Well, I mean, yeah, they literally walked down. I can't remember if it was this time or that second time. Yeah. I think it was the second time. But yeah, that was I was like, okay, so yeah, this this has been boiling over, and it just had to un, unspew this time or whatever. I think it was right after that when he goes up there and apologizes to the kids. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So yeah, and that, that's one that gets Herman out of the house trying to go tr- track him down so he can apologize to him. Because I think before was it before or after that where the boys were talking about it, and like you know they're like, well, you know. Why did he take the blame for him or something like that? Uh, you watched it a lot more recently than I have. I, I can't quite remember. Okay, no, he, okay, so they're talking about it, and then Herman goes and apologizes. Okay, I got it now. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. like you said, he, he goes and leaves and everything, and then I wrote this down again because I'm like, I just love how everyone is just outside just talking just at all yeah. times. I'm like, I'm like, you, I'm like, when's the last time you can remember seeing this all the time? Yeah, and I I didn't see a ton, but definitely growing up, you know, you knew your neighbors and you you would talk to them when you saw them out and everything. Like, I live in an apartment with God knows how many people. I don't know any of them. Right. I don't want to go to the whole, you know, well, back in my day or whatever, we would talk to each other and, you know, blah, 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 such and such knew you and your family or whatever. And if you was doing something bad, they knew about it and they would tell you for you, you know, type stuff or whatever. But that's always something old people bring up. Yeah, and I, I don't think that's totally died. Like, you know, when I was in Greenville and with families and stuff, you know, I was coaching lacrosse. I'd go to people's houses and for different reasons, and people knew their neighbors. And, you know, I wouldn't say they talked about the local news broadcast every night, but also it's not wartime. Like, this is a serious thing for their community to be, like, dealing with whether or not the U.S. is going to get involved in World War II. And a lot of the drama that's going on behind the background affects their cultural background so it makes sense that they're like freaked out and want to talk to someone about it but again now you can just vent about it on facebook and ramble all goddamn day with a thousand with a thousand strangers so which makes sense kind of in this context why those conversations happening online are so much more inflammatory because you don't know those people so you don't give a shit right or like you or the fact they even think that you care at all for real yeah Uh, yeah and then there's just people that want to spark uh, pour more smoke in the fire or whatever, fuel in the fire or whatever you want to call it and just troll. Yeah, it's it, toxic out there. I feel like trolling has always been a thing, but now it's just so like, oh, I'm going to troll on purpose. Like, why? Like, I've never understood. Like, I mean, I, I can't say anything. Like, I do it at times, but it's like, it's with friends. Like, people that do it with complete strangers, like, for what? Yeah, I it's, it's an urge I don't have and I don't understand. It is something that's been around for a while, but yeah, the... The anonymity aspect to it um, definitely encourages it. 
Although, and I will say too, like unlike say like WRAL or random news sites where like your Facebook profile is linked to your comments and people are doing that, those people are fucking. Nuts. Oh my god! <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, Yo, dude, you know, I can I, track you. Have you noticed this shit within like the last couple of years or whatever? Like when something happens to somebody or whatever, they use their Facebook pictures. That's so, it's so dumb. I do. The f- I guess they have no more pictures. They're like, or they're like, okay, we need an available picture. Oh, let's go right on their Facebook. Let's take their profile picture and everything. And I'm like, I swear to God, if something ever happens to me, God forbid, y'all better use a good picture or a picture of me and my niece or something. Don't be, don't be going back or whatever where I like, I thought I was cool and shit. And it's like, okay, come on. This was how many years ago, bro? They go to hey. pictures be like pre-dreads and shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you know it. Be like, yo, y'all reaching. Because, uh-uh. You don't even look like this no more. Don't go back through my Twitter feed. Don't go back. In the- <laughs> Just stay current. I, I fucked up. Let's deal with this. Facts, man. So this next kind of like I have it written down under like one big ass thing or whatever before we get to the end or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you remember Alvin's friend that got beat up with like his name? So, no, I don't remember his name. But so he was the guy that was working at the milk bar, which is what. I came to be. It looked like so. Alvin was reading the newspaper at that. I thought it was like a shake place or something, yeah. which I guess that's what a milk bar is. I don't fucking know. I don't, didn't grow up in the forties. And yeah, she's and she's she's fucking with the pinball machine. The guy behind the counter is like, "You gotta get him to stop because he breaks my dad's gonna fucking kill me." So then when Alvin gets kicked out of the house, that's where he goes, and that guy lets him stay there for the night. And he's like, "You gotta be out by the morning before my dad shows up, but you can stay here." And then that dude apparently got his ass kicked bad so yeah. when they when they hopped in the car or whatever and they was ready to ride out i was like okay so shit what's about to happen um herman goes back to the movies he asks about alvin yeah because it's clear that the projectionist guy has a relationship with alvin so he's going there to try to track him down see if he knows where he's going on and i i'm sure the projection guy is like just going to cover for him no matter what that's kind of the vibe i got anyway right but then he sits down and starts watching the newsreel. We go back to them and the friends and like, you know, they go by like, which I'm assuming was the same um, pub that we saw earlier. For sure. And they're like, Yo, is this bad or whatever? They're drunk. Yeah. So th- this is post the Lindbergh speech, too, because they, they're like they already got his picture up and everything. I'm going to wait a little bit to ask you about that. So no, that, save, that's, save that that, that's fine. Yeah. I get it. Because I, I literally wrote that down at the end or whatever to ask you about that one. Cool. So they catch two of them or whatever, kind of just by themselves or whatever, drunk. I would say jump on the dudes, but the dudes are fighting back. So I'm like, y'all didn't really do a good job jumping. <laughs> I mean, I think it's like the level of agitation you're going to bring to it. So like if they really wanted to jump them, they could have brought weapons, but they didn't want to kill anybody. It's like it was more of a. This is how I took the whole situation. One of your people, we don't know who it was, beat the shit out of one of our friends because he's a Jew. So what we're going to do is we're going to pay it back. We're going to catch one of you fascist motherfuckers or two coming out here and just beat the shit out of you as retribution. So it's kind of like a like for like. Like I'm sure if they really wanted to kill someone, I'm sure they could find a knife or maybe a gun or something. You know, Alvin seems like he's pretty street wise to be able to get what he needs but it wasn't about um who it was they were hurting it was just doing to them what had been done to them right 
So I thought this whole scene was, I was like, okay, some action or whatever, because, you know, we've just been building up. Like, what you, you'd already, you know, because you watched this earlier, you'd already told me, you know, it's just a little bit of, like, just kind of filling in what's about to happen. And I'm like, For okay, real? I wasn't spending much from, from this episode. But now, one, of the things ended, I that, one of the things I thought that I thought did interesting with that scene too is they're intercutting different shots of Herman watching that newsreel of all the yeah. violence going on while interspersed with them having this fight. And it's kind of just like the drama of everything is kind of fueling things, gonna, feeling like they're going to start going out of control, which I thought was a cool right. cin- cinematic narrative they played there. So the last thing I want to get to before I ask you about the is Lindenberg, right? Or Lind Lindenberg? Lindbergh. Lindbergh. The guy that Sandy's drawing at the end, was that him? Yes. Okay. I wrote that down. I was like, okay, so we ended with, you know, he puts the covers over him, he gets his flashlight out, his brother asleep, and he's drawing him. What was that? Who is this guy? I know a little bit about like he was like a pilot and like he's potentially could run against FDR. Explain that one everything before we close out of here, bro. All right, I'm gonna skip back real quick. We we Go skipped ahead. over the conversation we were having where um after Lindbergh's speech, it was like the morning after, and Sandy's going through his drawings that he has of Lindbergh. And Philip's like, are you going to tell mom and dad that you have those? Or are you going to get rid of them? He's like, no, I'm not. And you're not either because he likes them and he wants to keep them. And that's where he's like, if you tell mom and dad about my drawings, I'm going to tell them about your Lindbergh stamp. Which Okay, so that's why he was like, so like, okay, you no, know, like don't tell. Okay, for, that makes a lot more sense. Because that's probably like one of the most valuable stamps he has. So he's like, well, I definitely don't want to get rid of that. It's like part, like one of the biggest parts of my collection, so I'm gonna shut it down. So, I, th- so Charles Lindbergh was a celebrity of the time. He was famous for the flight from. He made the first, um, I want to say, nonstop transatlantic flight um, solo from New York to France. So. He was the first person to fly by himself in a single person plane. It was a 33 and a half hour flight, uh, 36,000 miles across the Atlantic Ocean. And he was revered as an American hero for doing that. Um, He was also a war veteran and he had some controversial views um, during World War One. So before the Americans got into World War One or World War Two, through Pearl Harbor, um, Lindbergh himself was uh, public. He never publicly stated that he supported Nazi Germany, but he was very anti-war and uh, somewhat of a Hitler like proponent. Again, I don't have a great background okay, on this. I, I did kind of catch when they were like, I think they were just talking about it or whatever. And it's like, yo, you know, at one point or whatever, you're just going to think he's just, pretty much siding with him right and okay so so the way he spoke because he was given a voice to speak publicly because he was kind of a hero celebrity and his non-interventional stance on going into world war ii led a lot of people to suspect that he was a nazi sympathizer and he had made other statements that were very but the term was back then was america first so you know, after World War One, there were people that didn't want to 
get into another conflict. We should worry about our country first, which there's still a lot of that going on now. When a lot of people right. feel that way where we keep getting into these international conflicts in the Middle East. When it's just like we don't need to be bothering with that. We should stay home and worry about our own business. Lots of ways you can take that. You know, I have some some sympathy there, but then again, it's like, you know, I don't want America to be the world's police, but there's people suffering too. It's hard to get back on whichever side of that. So in real life, after Pearl Harbor, um, uh, Lindbergh did fight for the U.S. in the Pacific Theater. So he didn't fight against the Germans, but he fought against the Japanese, and he was pro-war at that point, which you know makes sense because Pearl Harbor was this fucking awful thing. Like that's right. why we got to World War Two. So what the there I talked to my mom about it. There it there supposedly was some rumblings that there were some radical American first people that were pushing Lindbergh to run for president, but he never decided to in real life. So what the show is purporting is a historical narrative where that did become a fact where radicalized people who were fascist sympathizers rallied for Charles Lindbergh to run for president. And it's going to be interesting to see how the show plays it, how much he's a believer in that rhetoric or how much he employs that rhetoric to gather a following to run for the office. So he didn't really appear in this episode. He was just on the radio broadcast, but the radio broadcast itself was pointed out very clearly by Herman, like he's drawing lines in the sand. And that speech was a real speech where he did say that the British, the Jews, and the Roosevelt administration were the three most important groups pressing for greater American involvement in the war. It's... the way that and that's the thing that like is going to get the show in an interesting space where it's like that's what I'm talking about when the people who deliver speeches or purport news the way they phrase things is can be very subtle but very intentional in terms of pointing out groups of focus that like what what he ends up saying is like we need to come together and like support not getting involved in this conflict and Herman's like well who the hell is we because like I don't want to get into war either but you singled me out as a group that's supposedly supporting us getting involved right so it's an interesting narrative there in terms of like how do you get your own voice heard like what or convince people that what this guy's saying isn't true when all the people around you feel the same way as you, but you're only talking to each other. Hmm. Mm. So that's the kind of thing you get with like these like online communities and stuff too, where it's like you get these echo chambers of like, these are the things that I believe in and these are where I get my news from. But all the people that have those same mindsets are all looking in the same place for that news. And it's just, you're not hearing from other people's point of views at that point. So then all of a sudden you hear an opinion from someone that doesn't agree with you on whatever point, And you're like, well, you're like an outcast. You're not really like that, but there could be a lot more people behind that that you're not seeing. So like, it's those types of people that are trying to prop up Lindbergh in this his- historically revised narrative of 
our involvement in World War II in the narrative of this show. So, yeah, I, I'm excited. I think it's going to be really interesting. And, you know, I think it's very easy to take what, whatever the couple of minutes I just spoke on that, copy it and paste it into today. I and mean, that's it, like you look at Trump as a president. He's right. like the first real he's not the first real celebrity president, but he's a celebrity president. And like because there were presidents that were like war heroes and stuff. Right. So that's technically yeah, yeah. a celebrity, but celebrity for something kind of outside of traditional context. Like Charles Lindbergh was a military person, but he was a revered hero for his actions outside. He wasn't military or politics as far as talking about Trump. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so Lindbergh is kind of the face of that in this revisionist context and the, the way he rallies his communities together that support him is, can be very harsh to the other communities outside of his people, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I didn't read the book that this is based off of, but um, I I, I assume you didn't either. So I don't really. Oh notice. no. Yeah, I, I don't really know where this book going. Until, like later. Yeah, but I think it's gonna be really interesting. I mean, I can tell some things that I know are gonna happen in the show from the trailers. So I don't know how much I want to speak on that until they start happening in the show. But I think it'll be obviously things are going to pop off real fast. I can't wait. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm excited. Now, yeah. a little confused after this or whatever. I'm a lot more knowledgeable after this episode, which, yeah. you know, it, this doesn't happen a lot or whatever. A lot of times or whatever, I know my stuff. I can come in here. I've learned a lot of whatever just within this hour already. Well, I think that's the fun of us. Well, that's the fun of us whenever we talk is I think we have two different sides of experiences and things. So I think we... That's why I like having rapports with you because we get to the core of things like do, do black kids show their friends their mom's lingerie? I don't know. <laughs> That's a no, man. You know, never never cheated, never lied, never stolen. You know, no Eddie Guerrero. But back off of that, back off that, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, I think it's going to be dope talking about this. And, you know, I don't know how much you want to say on air but i think we're going to try to commit to doing this on a regular basis and i guess closer oh, to the, as the show's definitely going to be uh we got to get through all six of these parts now we're already committing now for sure apologize so. couldn't get this one out sooner but like i told jack been all and like i told you know y'all and if y'all really know me it's been a long week guys like i just got to get my dad home first yeah, no, I, I really got to get him home. That's why I appreciate I appreciate you like just being here with me, man, because I was just kind of, you know, I never really give you the run around. Like, so I did like I'm just, oh, yeah, I'm here for it. or I'm not. No, I'm yeah. that simple. Like for me to be like, well, is this or whatever? You're like, no, I like now that you say like that. I completely understand because I, I hadn't really told a lot of people. And, you know, why? Why air your business like that? I totally understand. Here to support you. Obviously, healthier family is more important than anything. We're almost through this or whatever. Like I say, it was it was dope talking to my old man yesterday, and he's worlds better than he was before, man. So you know, prayers out for that. And I so, can't go on a hiatus again or whatever for the people. People got to get this work, don't they? Like, cause I, <laughs> the episode we well not the episode before this, but 
the one before the hiatus or whatever, it was literally called Corona Shut Us Down. I was talking about the NBA. I mean, literally, I it, motherfuckers were thought I got I called Corona or something. That was interesting to listen to that episode though. That fact that it happened while you're recording it. That was that was pretty wild. Right. Did you feel the life being sucked out of us? I mean, it's funny too because like I'm listening to it past when it happened so it's like yes. what am i gonna do without oh. basketball and stuff and it's like that's what you're worried about in the in the time it happens and that's what i was worried about it's like the ncaa tournament's gonna get canceled like what the fuck am i gonna do but it's more important that we it's, kind of it's recognize that now time, it's like we had no clue yeah yeah I mean, i'm still i'm like you see we're both still working right now yeah for real that might not be the case like next time we do this i mean who knows it things could develop very quickly but I hate, I hate to say it, you know, I've been one of the people who've been like, well, not necessarily me, but I've had to been out here shopping and getting myself prepared just in case I can't leave the house. But shout out my grandma. She's like, I can't just have you and Coco just starving. Hey, I got my toilet paper. I'm good. I got that. I got a lot of paper <laughs> towels and everything. My man hit me with the connect. Bro, I got toilet paper connects now. It's, it's getting that real. Oh, that's that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot because i say if all else fails or whatever you can go old school or whatever get you a rag on the shower real quick but uh, struggle days <laughs> the don't, think it's gonna come, don't, don't think it's gonna come to that the shit to shower is an aggressive move <laughs> bro i mean of course we getting clean pre prior but you know what i'm saying <laughs> also two wipes yeah i don't fuck with wipes or in the words of bumani jones or whatever y'all out here getting um hand sanitizer what a soap at Hey man, I would, I, I I I would kill for a bidet. Bidet would be fucking fantastic. You know, I'm not even against it at this point in life. You ever used one? No. Ooh, I'd be open buddy. to it, buddy. It's pretty nice. Next level. <laughs> hey, it works. It's good. Uh, <laughs> got hey the the bidet recommendations over here. Yeah, we can start googling now. Um. Let me just say, you know, if you're into the show and you have people that you know that are into the show, if, you know, turn them on to this, uh, get the recap going. I, I will also endorse the actual HBO podcast they're doing for the show. It's really interesting to listen to David Simon talk about it. But if you want to talk, listen to some dudes that aren't. Oh, facts. And I like I'm not even trying to, like, jump on a wave and everything because I, I, I'm going to support them. I'm listening before we do the next episode. I didn't have enough time. I didn't even know about this until I literally just finished the episode, like, 30 minutes before we started this. Jack can tell y'all. I hit but, him and was like, I'm about to jump on it. <laughs> but if you want to listen to two real dudes that don't have all the actual historical context but want to get insight into what we're thinking, talking about, come Yo. here. Send, send your friends here. We'll, we'll be doing this on the regular. Cause we're gonna speak that truth for whatever. You can't get the you know the takes you're gonna get over there. How how are you gonna get the day takes from David Simon? You're just not. <laughs> Definitely ain't getting the black takes. You you get the black perspective of how like what in the world would have been going on or whatever. Because I mean shit, uh, this is well this is the 40s or whatever. I'm like my grandma was born in like 36. Yeah. I don't know if I asked her or whatever. He'd be like oh so you know well, so when this was happening. You know, it might be a conversation worth having. Whatever she could remember from her childhood, it'd be interesting. I, I I love asking her certain things or whatever. She can like feel me and so like yeah, you know, this was happening back in like you know the fifties, like the sixties and shit. Yeah, my mom so didn't cool. come along to like sixty five or whatever. So it's cool to get that perspective. Most of. You got any final thoughts before I let you up out of here, man? 
No, I, I think we hit it pretty good. Um, we jumped around a little bit, I think, but I think it made sense to kind of save the Lindbergh stuff for last and really grind into that. So I think we're good. I actually Googled him in between our our talks and everything. And I'm like, okay, you know, see everything you're talking about. Yeah. Excited to see what the hell's going on. That trailer at the end of like what we're going to expect during this little six part thing. Crazy. Um, like we that talked too, about the, it, whatever. The, the fact that it's only six parts, like things are going to. I think get crazy pretty quick, which I, I'm I'm here for. I'm excited. Which I haven't watched a lot of HBO's like six part things because I, I they had one joint where it was like this one dude and like some murder or something that I heard was like like the night of or something. I think it was. The I heard night it was of, like really. You, the you night of that? yes, yeah, that's good. That that's worth watching. I might need to go back and catch that because I heard that was like a little like what six part joint or whatever they did. And, like everyone raved about it, but like I don't even know if I had HBO at the time or not. Yo, the real shit, the the jinx, the Robert Durst story. I think that's like a six parter. Whew, that's worth watching. That's fucking crazy. That's some real life murder shit. I'm gonna ask you about that as soon as we get off of whatever. Because yeah, that sounds cool. That sounds real cool, man. Um, I guess my final thoughts are, you know, um, Winona Ryder out here with her shit on on this zone, whatever, man. Hell yeah, love Winona. All the scenes I saw on this episode and like on the, the super trailer, it, hey, she going for it. That's all I'm gonna say. Hell yeah! It's glad to be back. I haven't talked to my mic in about shit like a couple, like about a week and some change at this point. Always great to be back to the people. Get ready back for to you guys it. to hear this or whatever. Get the feedback. Appreciate my calls, Jack. As always, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for the NFL talk. We gotta get to it. Oh man, look, we we just been getting news today. Whatever, everybody wants to jump some damn <laughs> NFC South or whatever. Fuck out of here. <laughs> it's gonna be lit. You know, we still giving y'all this sports talk. It don't matter if it's no sports. I almost cry because I mean, like I said, Jack has no clue. Whatever, and a lot of y'all listen to this. I'm pretty sure y'all don't either. WrestleMania is not canceled. It's now a two night thing, but with no fans, it's gonna be weird as hell. Weird as hell. Just ugh. But. On that one, another great episode, like always. The after credits didn't even say that at the beginning. It's been a while. Always remember <laughs> to rate, like, comment, subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend. Got all the links and everything in the link tree. Still got that um that 28 play uh playlist in there for you guys or whatever. Was rocking out with that all last weekend for the birthday or whatever. Um, I, I gotta send Jack the videos or whatever from my video, uh, videos, the videos or whatever from my birthday, or whatever, because it got a little crazy out here in these streets, but I survived. I gotta live vicariously. <laughs> I, I survived, you know, and like I said, this was great. And Jack, I'm Mookie, and until next time, we 